You're listening to the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of toyphotographers.com. My name is James Garcia, and each week I talk to photographers from around the world who are turning Lego, action figures, miniatures, custom creations, and more into amazing works of art. This week's podcast guest works in a particular area of toy photography many see without even realizing it. Toy packaging. Jerry Wilson is currently best known for his work on the Marvel Legends action figure packaging, but has been making commercial images for brands like Hasbro, Nerf, My Little Pony, Easy Bake Oven, and many more for over 15 years. I was curious to hear Jerry's process and what it's like balancing his own artistic goals with client work. We talk all about that and more, so let's get right into it. Well, Jerry, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to talk to you. I discovered your work on Instagram not too long ago, and I was just blown away by the amount of incredible work on your feed. And what I love about you and your work is that your work has been seen by so many toy photographers without them probably even knowing it. Um, So if anybody has bought a Marvel Legends action figure, you guys have seen Jerry's work because it is on the back of the packaging. Um, And we will, of course, get into all of those details. But Jerry, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, Really appreciate the kind intro. Um, Yeah, that's, that's kind of one of the funny things is that I've been doing packaging work not even just marvel legends for 15 years or so so there's like video game covers and children's books and uh (laughs) there's a ton of stuff out there that yeah your name is never associated with anything so it's pretty cool uh uh, getting recognized for this stuff a little bit now. Yeah, it's one of those things I love about social media and, and Instagram is just being able to connect with artists like yourself and, and see that there are people behind these, um, you know, corporate images that, that are on packages and, and stuff like that, just to know that there there is a, you know, a geek out there or a toy fan out there doing the work behind those things. I, it's just incredible. So I'm really excited to talk about that. Um, before we jump into all that, though, I honestly don't know very much about you you know, you personally, um, can we just get a brief history of, you know, who you are and what, what kind of work you do? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, professional history, I guess real quick is I went to, um, well, I grew up in California at 19. I drove across country to go to art school in Dover, New Jersey at the Joe Kubert school of art. Hmm. Um, if you're unfamiliar with that, it is basically comic book school. And uh, it's it's a three-year course, and I had my heart set on going there since I was like 13. I saw an ad for it in the back of a comic book. I told my parents at 13, hey, this is where I want to go when I graduate high school. They were like, oh, okay, sure. And then as graduation approached, I said, hey, remember, I'm moving new- to New Jersey. Uh, I'm going to go to this comic book school. <laughs> and, and they were cool enough to be supportive um, about the whole thing. So... I did my three years in Kubert school. Uh, I had Joe, Adam, and Andy Kubert as teachers, along with a, a bunch of other great comic book professionals. Um, got about halfway through the school and realized comic books is probably not where I wanted to go. Hmm. Um, so I got a job uh, with Joe Kubert, did a uh, military magazine in the basement of the school, and he hired me to illustrate for that magazine. So it's like... Um, it came out once a month for military personnel on like how to perform maintenance on helicopters or vehicles. And we would do little drawings for it. Um, then once I got out of school, I started at a design company in Manhattan. Um, and there, uh, I did children's books and toy packaging and video game covers and coloring books, activity books, style guides, um, 
it was a really cool. It was like a continuation of school for me because I went, I worked there with a lot of Kubert uh, students as well, and there is where we had Hasbro as a client. Oh, okay. So um, I was the main point of contact for Hasbro while I was there, and I did uh, all of the Nerf packaging. So there's probably like a four to five year run where every single Nerf package that came out, I, I had done. Hmm. Um, so I then uh, quit that job to go work at where I currently work now, High Five Games. It's a casino gaming company, uh, is, is my day job. And then uh, when my non-compete was up, I had a year and a half long non-compete. So I then reached back out to contacts that I had at Hasbro and said, hey, you know, I would like to take on some freelance work here and there because I, I really enjoyed doing that kind of work and, and kind of missed it. And then um, that was in 2015, I think. And from there, they just started in with uh, a bunch more stuff for me um, doing Polly Pocket and My Little Pony and, uh, of course, Marvel Legends and uh, a whole variety of different brands uh, for them, for real friends. Um, I've kind of bounced all over, but the Marvel Legends is predominantly um, the line that uh, I'm now known for, I guess, on Instagram and whatnot. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and as I said, I've been doing Marvel Legends specifically since 2015. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun uh, just doing a little bit of research on you and like looking at your portfolio online and seeing, oh, yeah, I, I know what this is. And oh, I've seen this before. <laughs> you know, just just realizing the kinds of brands that you've worked on. I, I just think it's so cool. Um, rewinding the clock back back a little bit. Um, what inspired you to to try working in the comics uh, business? Were you a comics fan as a kid? Uh, how you know what inspired you to start doing that? Yeah, I um, I grew up a comic book collector and a collector of all all sorts of things. But I was always uh, I was always really into comic books. Um, my uh, my dad had collected comic books when he was growing up, and uh, he's got the tried and true story of his mom throughout all his comics, and he had the first appearance of everybody and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so I think he was interested in chasing that again with me a little bit. And he drove me to comic conventions and comic book stores on the weekends. And I, I grew up kind of near San Francisco. So whenever they would have a, a comic event there, he would take me into the city. So from a very early age, I loved drawing. And because of my love for comic books, it felt natural to, you know, gravitate uh, into that. And uh, yeah, all I wanted to do growing up was comic books. I was very single minded. Hmm. Um, about all that. Uh, oddly enough, as I said before, until I actually got into comic book school and realized, oh, there's different things that I can do with this skill set that isn't necessarily um, drawing comic books that started to appeal to me a bit more. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What kind of things turned you away from from doing the comic work? Like what were you more interested in? I started to get a lot more exposure at the Joe Kubert School to digital art and coloring and um, painting, um, all, all that kind of stuff. And I, I had a high school art teacher that was really supportive with that kind of stuff too, getting me into water, watercolors and pastels and kind of branching me out um, a, a bit more as an artist. But um, so it was, it was being interested in the different aspects of the art field that could be appealing to me. In addition, the grind of comic book art became very apparent to me while I was there that, you know, there are, there's plenty of work if you are one of the elite comic book artists in the industry, but it is a tremendous struggle hmm. to, um, to really get your foot in that, in that door. 
so I had seen people graduate before me struggling with it. And, um, you know, I wanted to try and go into something where I felt I was going to make a sustainable living uh, faster right. than, than <laughs> what I expected my path to be as, as a comic book illustrator. Um, and, and I'm really thrilled that that ended up happening. Um, uh, a great artist, a friend of mine, this guy, Corey Smith, he's, a, uh, he's an illustrator for Marvel Comics. He's doing Guardians of the Galaxy right now. Uh, he was a year ahead of me in the Joe Kubert School. And um, uh, because he graduated a year early, he started working at that design company in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And uh, they needed extra hands over one weekend. So he brought me in and I was um, I was sketching like store displays for uh, candy stands for supermarkets. <laughs> um, so it was it was actually that job at this place, Mata Design, they're, they're no longer around. But um, that job is what exposed me to commercial art, I guess, and, and product renderings. And uh, it really opened my eyes to like all the different fields that my skill set is applicable to. Mm -hmm. um, so that that excited me. And, and the more I worked there, I would get opportunities to do different things. They brought me in as a penciler. And then one day they were super short on colorist and had a deadline coming up. So they're like, hey, you know, figure it out. Try try and help us color this stuff, and turned out I did I did okay at the coloring, and they were like, uh, okay, now you're a colorist. Uh, so <laughs> then they had me coloring for them for a while, and then one day they were shorthanded on some design work. So I tried design work, and the client picked all the ones that I had designed, and they said, okay, now you're a designer. Um, <laughs> so I just kind of kept adding uh, skill sets and surprising myself, not knowing that I could. I had a knack for for any of these things. It's amazing how on the job training like that can can push you to new directions and teach you new skills and and I, I just love that you went on that journey and then ended up doing something comic related anyway. I think that's that's really cool. Yeah, I uh, I, I could not be happier with how this this worked out and it is. Um, it's all just a circumstance of, of how things worked out. The, uh, the guy, the main point of contact that I work with at Hasbro now is the same uh, person I worked with on the Nerf packaging. Hmm. And through whatever circumstances he had, he moved departments and changed roles and all that stuff. Um, so he got put on Marvel brands. So he had worked with me for so many years, he was able to reach out to me. Now I got put on Marvel brands and, you know, it's so many little things have to line up for me to get to do these really cool things that I'm doing now <laughs> that it, it, it blows me away. Um, in addition to the Marvel stuff too, kind of on this, this train is um, I, I can't say what any of this stuff is yet, but I'm also doing a lot of star Wars stuff now for Hasbro. Oh, nice. So none of that stuff has been revealed yet, but, you know, to think that like, oh, my side job essentially is Marvel and Star Wars toys. Uh, I couldn't imagine anything better. Like, I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't know where it goes from there, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can understand that. I'm not going to lie. When I, when I first discovered your feed, the first emotion that hit me was jealousy. You know, it's just like, oh, I wish I oh, could man. do that. <laughs> you know? And then, uh, you know, just as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm like, thinking ahead or, or taking notes, you know, it's like, okay, okay, got to do this. It's just, it's one of those things where it's just seems like such a cool dream job. And I know that it's, it's also work on, on top of it, but to, to work in these brands that you've loved since childhood and, and to just have a small piece of, of that in your life. I just, I can't imagine how cool that is. Yeah. It's, it's a super awesome feeling. And, um, 
you know, I, I think that when I came into doing these things, um, I was in a bubble of sorts that I wasn't posting anything to social media. I had a website, but nobody knew about my website. You know, it's not like I got out there and advertised it or anything. Um, so when I had started my Instagram account, I was even weary of doing it because I'm like, I don't know, it's toy packaging. Like, who's going to care about this, to be honest with you? Like, I just, I had no idea uh, Marvel Legends in particular had such a fan base and a fan following. And um, so when I started posting that stuff and people were, you know, reaching out and then uh, exposing me to all the different toy photography that's out there, um, the amazing thing, uh, the amazing things people are doing with their toy setups and practical effects and lighting. Uh, I, I wasn't aware of any of that stuff. And I had been, you know, plugging away on the packaging for years and years, um, not knowing that there was this whole kind of subculture to it. Uh, that's been really awesome to see. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions was, did you know about the toy community or, or discover the toy community? And uh, it, yeah, it sounds like you discovered it. I, I think that's cool. Ha has that changed at all? The when you're actually working on something, are you thinking of those kinds of people when you're making a package, like thinking of what people might think of it? And yeah, I definitely am now. I think, I think what I do, uh, from what I can gather, um, you know, reading people's posts and stuff, there's a, a, a huge section of the toy photographers that pride themselves on no Photoshop and practical effects and all that stuff. And what I do is, is very different. It's extremely Photoshop heavy. Um, but that is super common in in product work. You know, it's 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 it is toy packaging in in the end, and you make it bright and attractive and vibrant. Um, so my my goal with what I'm doing is to show people the idealized version of that product when they pick up a package in the store. The the work that I'm creating is a a selling point, right? Mm -hmm. I want them to hold it in their hands and be like, "Wow, look how awesome." this toy can look and kind of buy into the fantasy of that and help, help, you know, sell and, and make that purchase. So the work I'm doing serves a very specific, um, a very specific purpose for, for what it is. It's not, I mean, I, I certainly put a lot of uh, art and creativity into it, but it is, it is a functional image. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've done, uh, I haven't done anything quite, you know, the level you're doing, but I have done, uh, you know, photo shoots for, for like Lego or something like that. They'll send me product they want me to take some images for to post on their social media and stuff. And, and uh, it's funny how quickly it kind of dawned on me that I had to think of them as a client and what they might want from these images and the purpose for the images. As you said, you know, basically you're you're selling the toy so what you're doing is it's marketing and and you're trying to to appeal you know to all of these people like you said who are going to see the box art so i i can totally understand i know that you also do you know art for your own personal um needs and and stuff so i was curious you know how you kind of balance going back and forth or if you find the the creative work or the uh, client work kind of challenging or frustrating creatively uh, and you know just how you kind of balance those two things um yeah so i think that uh i've i've always illustrated and, and drawn um since uh since having the instagram account um jerry j wilson on instagram by the way have since having that and having people like reach out to me through that has given me a confidence with my artwork that i think i kind of 
lost for a few years that, that people were engaged with this stuff and, and saying, oh, it'd be cool if you drew this guy or that guy. So um, I've drawn more in the past year of my own personal art than I have in the past probably three to four years combined um, and, and keeping track of how much of that stuff I've been doing. So that's been really cool. I post a ton mm -hmm. of that stuff. And then um, the photography aspect uh, seeing all of this incredible work that, that, you know, uh, uh, people are doing out there and, and posting on social media has been really inspiring. And I think that there are restrictions that are reasonable placed on any of the professional work that I do that, you know, I can't, I can't make anything look like it's glowing because that would imply that the toy lights up and it doesn't light up. So then you could have a customer return it. Um, you know, there's only so much um, you can obscure the product or, or like, you know, it's it's these kind of common sense things that like, oh, yeah, that makes sense where um, I've wanted to kind of uncap that a little bit and do some of my own photos and say, OK, without any sort of restrictions, let me have fun with this. And I'm encouraged to do so because now I know there's an audience who actually cares to see this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I've I've been having a, a ton of fun with that where I'm you know, setting them up in backdrops and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, my photography skills are amateur at best. Um, I, I have a ton to learn there, but uh, uh, it's really inspiring to see what the community is doing and, um, you know, what they're doing with their palettes and lighting and all that stuff. That is, I'm certainly conscious of all that stuff now, uh, even when I'm working on my professional stuff. Um, even though the stuff I'm doing for like Marvel Legends, for example, is, you know, the vibrancy and everything's cranked up to 11. Um, I'm conscious of like, you know, some of the lighting tricks that I've seen and some of the soft focus tricks that I've seen and trying to, you know, stick some of that stuff in uh, when I can, because I, I think it's making for um, a more cohesive image than mm -hmm. say what I was putting out, you know, a year or so ago. So uh, I'm always attempting to absorb anything that I find, you know, some interest in and, and see how it's applicable to my work. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you've kind of gone full circle where you're you're designing the packages that are inspiring the photographers to, to buy the figures and go photograph them. And then you're getting inspired <laughs> by their photos to then, you know, go take the, the action figures yourself and, and do photos. I just love that it's just kind of swirled into this this cool little uh, circle there. I, I think that's really fascinating, actually. Wanted to talk about the the process with these Marvel Legends figures because, as you kind of alluded to, you don't actually photograph the toys themselves, right? You are sent these images, Correct. and then what you're doing is uh, retouching them. So, so what is the process like when you're doing one of these projects? Um, so, uh, a lot of times, the basic layout is is chosen. The um, the figure is posed, and I uh, they take photo. You know, they do photography on their own. Um, Hasbro does. And then they will send along like, okay, here's the shot that we vetted and we've chosen for the packaging. And then I make that kind of fantastical version of that photograph. Um, I usually get the figure over a flat black background and then I put them in an environment, light it, put the smoke, do any color cast and all that kind of stuff to it. I would like to, to point out too that uh, funnily enough through Instagram, I came across um, uh, an account studio.dtw, and that is a photographer in Rhode Island where Hasbro's headquartered that has taken all the photographs <laughs> that I've been working on for all these years. So, you know, oddly enough, I've been 
in a roundabout way working with this guy for for quite a long time and he never really knew about me and I never really knew about him and um, so that's kind of cool that, that we've been able to connect that way but uh, you know they they set up the figures and then send me the shots and I, I execute on them and that's that applies to Marvel Legends that applies to I do a lot of the Marvel role playing stuff so they'll like hire the models to come in and put on the role play gear, which are like the mask and web shooters and all that kind of stuff they do. Um, and then again, I work towards that kind of fantastical idealized version of that product and image that uh, not only showcases, you know, how cool the product is, but like to try and convey how much fun you're potentially going to have with this thing, because there's a lot of adult collectors for this stuff. There's tons, but you know, there's kids too. And it's, it's trying to make something aspirational, uh, for them to to get engaged with with that product, so that's that is a skill set that I would say is only applicable to this um, to the professional work that I do. Yeah, that makes absolute sense to me. I've seen some of those packages too. I'm looking at your Instagram feed, and you've got like a kid with the Infinity Gauntlet, you know, and is and and I love yeah. the way that yeah you you communicate you know what it would feel like as a kid to wear the Infinity Gauntlet, you know, and and how you're you're adding those things into the work and not just showcasing the product, but the scenario around it too. I think that's, you know, obviously a really smart marketing move, but a really interesting creative move too. Yeah. And often on that stuff, you know, it's uh, a lot of the toy packaging, the front of the package is open. You can see the product. So it's not like, it's not a deceptive thing. Like the product's right there. You see what the figure looks like, yeah. you see what the toy looks like, but you know, it's, it's to try and convey like, well, what's the fantasy element of it here? Like, how cool is this going to look? Like if, if you're like an adult, you know, figure collector and you're on the fence about it and you see it with, you know, cast and smoke and red lighting and think like, oh, in my display, that's going to look awesome. You know, it's, it's to show the potential of, of these products. Yeah, I will say just as a toy photographer myself who buys action figures to photograph, I I'm I've never been that big of a, of a Marvel guy. I've always been more of a DC person, um, and th so there are tons of Marvel characters I know nothing about. And what I love about the Marvel Legends line is there are so many obscure characters, um, and ripped straight from right. the comic books with their weird outfits and everything too. So it's so fun to like look at the shelf and just see all these weird characters I'd never heard of before. And looking at the art that you make on them, I have definitely had that feeling where it's like, oh, this would be so cool, or I didn't know who this guy was, but look at the posing on him or, or something, you know? So so you're doing your, your job there for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's awesome. That's, that's really cool to hear. Uh, it, it's funny you say that. As big of a Marvel fan as I am, I, and, and a collector myself, um, I get excited, right? When I get sent a new wave, I'm like, oh, what's coming? Like, I'm excited to see the figures and, <laughs> and you know, because I'm generally about six months or so ahead of what is shown to mm -hmm. the public. So, you know, I, I get into that. But uh, pretty early on, I was working on a collector set for, it might have been a San Diego Comic-Con. This is years ago. It was like uh, based on the character, The Collector. And it had some obscure Marvel characters with them, like Howard the Duck um, I think it's Astro the dog. And there was this little monkey looking guy that I'd never seen in my life. And, uh, I didn't even know what to call him. So in Photoshop and my layers group, I just, I named it a question mark. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> and then the woman I was working with at Hasbro emailed me after she noticed it. And she was like, Oh, that's moon boy, by the way. Like you didn't know who it was. And I'm like, moon boy. Like I've never heard. <laughs> so they go, they, 
I give them a ton of props for going as obscure with these characters as they do because I'm sure there are a handful of Moon Boy fans out there that right. that their minds were blown that they bothered to you know sculpt and and put out a figure of that character, um, and and I think they keep surprising us with with how uh, deep into the well they're willing to go on some of these things, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, I totally agree, and I just love how many figures there are, and and like I said, as a as a DC fan, I've always found it kind of disappointing that DC doesn't have a really good um, comparison to the Marvel Legends line of their own, and and. Usually when they're doing figures, it's a lot of this, you know, you get a lot of Batman, a lot of Superman. Right. You know? I, I'm not seeing any like Wonder Twins action figures out there, or Plastic Man or anything, you know. Um, so so I, I do give Hasbro a lot of credit for for shedding such a, a big light on those obscure characters and and giving the, the hardcore fans of those people, you know, something to, to get themselves to. And kids, you know, who maybe don't know who these characters are, are going to buy an action figure get interested in who that character is and then go buy a comic book or something. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it all does kind of feed into itself like that. And I think what Hasbro has done with the way they structure, structure their lines is really cool by having the buildable figures spread out through different characters. So if you want to build a character, you know, you need to buy them all, but as, as nefarious as that can potentially sound to somebody cynical, them doing that allows them to put a couple characters in each line that are comic book based, that are potentially more obscure, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I think is a, a great trade off for, for that sort of thing that, you know, you would you would never, ever get toys of some of these figures if it wasn't all structured that way. So I, th- I think it's absolutely worth it. As someone who's working on these, you know, like you said, like six months ahead of time, are you ever, you know, spoiled on, on a movie that's coming up or something because they start sending you photos of the action figures for that? Like, how <laughs> how is it for you as a fan of these things to, to get all this stuff early? Yeah, it. Uh, I am spoiled on random aspects every single time. <laughs> um, uh, and it's, it, I don't get context for what anything is. It's not like I get a script or a write-up on what it is. But, um, you know, a, a couple examples were like, you know, I got an image of Ant-Man to retouch. This is back before Civil War. And, uh, I mean, MCU spoilers for anybody listening, I guess. But, um, you know, the file was called Giant Man. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So he must turn into Giant Man during the movie. You know, but I have... All I have is a file name to go on, and I can mentally make the link. Um, you know, I got a, a action figure of Thor to work on, and he's wearing an eye patch. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess Thor's going to lose an eye at some <laughs> point. Um, you know, the Hulk's uh, gauntlet, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Tony Stark gauntlet. Uh, I had worked up toys of that well, well before, you know, I think a trailer was even out for that movie. Um uh, so, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I guess, you know, Hulk gets the gauntlet then he's the one that defeats Thanos. You know, I again, I don't have context for for any of this stuff. Um, so it makes it kind of fun. Uh, they put out a toy that I'd worked on that was uh, for um, uh, Infinity War. And it was Hulk tearing out of a Hulkbuster armor. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be a really cool moment in the movie. So I'm I'm doing all this photo retouching for this toy. And then that was not in the movie at all. And the toy still came out. So I was relieved there because I thought like, oh, oh I know about, you know, this really cool scene that's going to happen. Um, then that ended up getting uh, edited out or, or never getting filmed. Who knows? Hmm. Uh, 
So, yeah, I'm left to kind of fill in the blanks sometimes on little random stuff that I see. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's hilarious. And and I bet, too, it's it's an interesting experience then sitting in a theater and watching Infinity War happen and either waiting for something that you've been teased on or, or you know, being surprised by seeing the context of something. I, I bet that's a, a fun movie-going experience. Yeah, I'm still such a fan of those films and, and, and what Marvel's doing with their movies that, like, even knowing random things is not really going to be a detriment to my enjoyment on, on any of these things. I, I still have a blast watching all those, so it's uh, it's certainly well worth the, uh, the trade-off. Uh, toys themselves um i you know we've talked about your history with design and photography but but as far as toys go were you a toy collector as a kid um what what kind of toys drew you in ever since i was a little kid i think the first toy line i ever really got into was he-man but that's like you know as a child but i didn't just like want he-man i wanted all of them and i (laughs) i remember her requesting as a kid like oh we don't have this character and we don't have this character um so I think that bug was in me pretty early on. And then I had moved on to Ninja Turtles and it was the same kind of thing. I would go through the catalogs and I would, I would look at what characters were coming out. And, um, I remember, uh, geez, I can't even remember the character's name now. He's like a duck in a fighter pilot jacket. But I remember my dad like driving 45 minutes to a Toys R Us late night because they were supposed to get that one in and I had to have that one. Um, (laughs) as a kid. So, you know, they were supportive. My, my mom and dad were collectors of different things. My mom collected dolls, my dad coins and baseball cards and all that kind of stuff. So that kind of fed into it, but it was never like, I have a couple of these things. It's like, okay, now this is the thing I'm into. I'm going to get all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I got a little bit older, I started collecting like uh, predator figures from Kenner and then uh, the Marvel stuff um, I think started uh, so like the Toy Biz X-Men line, I remember having all that stuff. And then uh, just tons of Spawn figures, a ton of McFarlane stuff. Um, so I always had a pretty giant action figure collection. And then when I went away to school, uh, because I had driven across country to, to start going to school, I didn't bring any of that stuff with me. That all stayed behind back home. While I was in art school, I picked up uh, a couple things here and there, but I never had enough living space to, um, you know, properly display any of that stuff. So I would either sell it off or donate it, give it away at some point or another. Um, so while I've always had action figures around, I didn't start actively collecting again until I started working on uh, Marvel Legends figures where, you know, early on, I, I had no idea how long I would be doing this for. So the novelty of it and how cool it was, I started buying the full sets of the figure uh, packages that I worked on. Yeah, it makes sense. I would do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. <laughs> See it at the store and be like, oh, that's how I did this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I had done that with like when I worked at that design company, every children's book that I illustrated that came out, I picked up. Um, I couldn't do every Nerf package that got out of hand. I, I did hundreds <laughs> of those over the years. But I had... I bought like more than I should have of that stuff for sure um, because I always just thought it was so neat to have something I worked on come out in a store. Like it, it's forever humbled by that and, and the novelty, uh, novelty of that is not lost on me. So um, I started buying all the Marvel Legends when they came out and it just 
it just kept coming and I worked on them for years and they started releasing more and I would work on more and it just kind of became this chain to where, um, you know, I ended up with, uh, uh, years and years and years worth of, of Marvel legends, you know, complete waves and all that kind of stuff. So that, that takes me to current day where as of two days ago, I have sold the vast majority of my, uh, Marvel legends figures. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've been seeing a little bit of that on your Instagram. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a move that was in the back of my head for a while because uh, I, I still love those things and it's super cool, but I cannot buy everything that I work on just because I am now fortunate enough to have worked on hundreds upon hundreds of, of toy packages um, that, you know, like I want to, I want to refinish my basement. I want to expand out my office and I just keep filling all that space with more and more toys and action figures. Mm So I kind of, I I cleaned house. I kept a handful of stuff that was, uh, uh, that was special to me. And I decided to sell everything Sunday morning. I decided to pull the trigger and do it. And then by Monday night, uh, they were literally all sold and gone. I mean, hundreds of figures. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that that really blew me away. Yeah, never underestimate the uh, toy community, you know, <laughs> and how excited they get about this stuff. Yeah, I was I was completely blown away um, uh, of, of how quick that stuff went. And, and that I even had people offering for like, you know, X amount of dollars for the entire collection and all that kind of stuff. So that was cool. But, I mean, that said, where, you know, if... If I say I've sold 95% of my Marvel Legends, I kind of still have a lot of Marvel Legends. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not that I'm, you know, without now, but I kept a handful that were, uh, I really like how the images I did turned out. Ones that have sentimental value to me of like, you know, these are from, like I kept the Wolverine and the Deadpool from the very first wave that I worked on. I kept the Thanos ones I worked on because I love that character. Mm-hmm. Um just ones where I did like little artistic tricks that I liked or I thought they came out pretty well. So I'm, I'm trying to make it more about kind of building that, that portfolio of uh, work uh, that I've done rather than all the work I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because, you know, you, you probably still have the, the art files on your computer or hard drive somewhere, you know, so it's not like all of the stuff you've worked on is just lost. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's all up on my Instagram now. <laughs> that's that's become the catalog for my entire career yeah it's funny how much instagram has a that influence on so many artists and and that it's kind of become that the the digital portfolio for so many people Uh, i was going to ask speaking of the figures and um i was going to ask like what were some of your favorite ones to work on or or some highlights or or even some of the most challenging ones are there any that stand out to you that that were one or the other yeah, certainly. I think uh, my favorite one I've ever done was a Walmart exclusive Thanos figure. That's uh, comic book style. I love that character since uh, since I was a little kid. Um, I've always been a big fan, uh, big fan of Thanos and the, the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. So getting to work on that one and the pose was so cool and the figure was so awesome looking that that I, I put a ton of special attention into that one. Um, I always really liked the uh, Thing figure that came out not too long ago. Um, I had a ton of fun with that one, just the vibrancy of the blue and orange on his his body. Um, The color contrast always struck me quite a bit. There were these Hydra two-packs that Hasbro's been putting out. Uh, And sometimes on these one-off figures, like they're exclusive to a GameStop or they're a standalone, they're not a part of a wave, Um, I get a lot more freedom 
on what I can do in that image. Mm-hmm. So the Hydra ones, like I have them in a bunker and I, I, I made a Hydra logo that's like, you know, spray painted on a concrete wall. And I did like, I put lighting in to make it look like there are alarms going off. And, you know, so I, I made more of a fantasy scene out of those, um, which, which I always thought was really cool. Some of the most challenging stuff that I do is probably the role play uh, toys, oddly enough, because um, I, I get uh, it's going to sound kind of abstract, but the shapes, the physical shapes of those toys are so much more complicated and the intricacies of the sculpts and how it's put together and how the colors interact with each other, that when you're painting over something in photo retouching, it's to get, you know, certain parts of the product to pop more than other parts. There's a lot more, um, there's a lot more that I have to think about with those than I do just a cool shot of a a character posed and standing because that, that character already looks really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm just making it look cooler. The role play stuff is like a kid in a mask shooting a dart at you. Um, (laughs) Which, you know, that, that said, like, the toy, the toys themselves are always awesome, but that by default is not automatically cool. Um, so there's there's some more uh, uh, finagling that has to go into those sometimes. That, that makes sense. And, and especially, you know, the Marvel Legends line itself has kind of an established style. And, and I know you get to um, play with each character a little bit, but generally I think they, you know, they all kind of share some of the same things, whereas... The, the packaging art I could see just when you get something unique or, or, or kind of weird or different um, retouching that and trying to make it look you know realistic or exciting and all that could could be a little more challenging I could I could definitely see that yeah and then there's there's various other stuff I've done towards way more um, free range like uh, uh, the latest Ouija board that's out in stores I did the packaging art for that the board design the logo. Um, and that one was just kind of free reign. Like I worked with an art director there who, you know, gave me concepts to run with and everything. Um, but that is something that, you know, I got to work on from the ground up. Uh, the easy bake oven that is out right now. Uh, I actually got to design the deco for that as I was working on the package. Uh, the, the color of the actual easy bake oven was not, um, quite decided upon so i had mocked together different things with you know whites and golds and uh they ended up picking one of the styles that i did and that's what's actually applied to the product um so depending on the brand that i'm working on i get to do uh all sorts of different fun stuff that presents its own unique challenges yeah i think that's awesome and you know it keeps the job fresh and exciting and and uh, even though you're doing something cool and, and in your wheelhouse of, of, you know, comic book stuff, I, I could see how it, there's always that fine line when you're doing work that you, you, you still want it to be fun and exciting. You don't want it to just be a grind and then you're tired of doing Marvel Legends figures, you know. So, so it is cool that you get to have free reign every now and then or, or step outside of the box just a little bit. Yeah, and, and they're always really great about that. And I've, um, you know, I've pitched concepts for an image that i'm working on to where like i know this is probably i'm pushing it beyond what you know they would want on a on a toy package um uh just due to restrictions of like you know i can't make it seem like the toy is doing stuff it can't really do you know that that sort of thing to where like if i'm hitting lens flares on metallic objects and and putting more atmosphere in you know that sort of stuff but um you know, if I feel good about the ideas, I'll still 
pitch them and present it and be like, hey, you can turn these layers off if you want, but look how cool this is. <laughs> um, uh, there was one figure where, hmm, I'll have to talk around this. This figure is not announced yet. They made a request for the background that left me an incredible amount of leeway in how to handle it, and I handled it in a certain way to where I immediately had to backtrack and, and change a ton of, of what mm. I had done to make it a bit more traditional. But they gave me a shot at just like go nuts with this. I did, um, but it's you know it's maybe too far. After that figure gets announced, uh, perhaps I might be able to present um, both versions there. And in the end, what's best for the product is certainly the one that we went with. I think. Um, but I, it was just something that I was having fun with. Yeah, it's always fun to, as you said, just kind of go too far and then have to wind it back. I would rather do that than feel limited and, and not not at least try out those things that you want to, you know, or, or see how something might turn out. Yeah, that is uh, that is absolutely always the way that I operate. Um, I've, uh, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, I also work for a company, High Five Games, where I'm... Um, uh, director of customer experience, meaning I oversee anything the customer interacts with. Uh, so I design the apps that we make. I do the UI, UX. I oversee all of the art direction for the products. Um, oh, wow. So I, I have a team of, of almost 20 uh, artists um, working with me. And uh, I, I, I've always done the same thing there and just been like, you know, here's the general direction we're going for. Um please push it as far as you can and we'll walk it back if we have to. But there's nothing more grueling and difficult than being like, you know, push it a little bit more, push it a little bit more, push it. And, you know, you go through eight iterations of something and it still didn't get into the ballpark you wanted it to. So that that's something that I, I always try and stress in any, uh, any artists that I work with. Any advice for people that are either just getting into photo retouching or, or design work or client work? Uh, any advice for our listeners? Sure. So for photo retouching, um, th there's so many various ways to do it now. And there's so much information available online that was not available when I started. So it's almost like anybody starting off is probably in a way better position than I was. So I don't, I don't know how much great advice I have for that. Like I would, um, I had to learn photo retouching because at the design company I worked at after, uh, after I went to school, we did photo retouching for tops, uh, sports cards, basketball, baseball, football. Um, we eventually did wrestling trading cards. So we would color correct and, and get rid of smudges on the uniforms and logos and stuff like that in Photoshop. So I was like, I was very eased into it and, and learning, you know, all the different tricks Photoshop can do on, on sports cards. Yeah, genuinely, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I would say try before you make a very exaggerated image, try for just basic cleanups and, and get the fundamentals down before you start playing with, you know, uh, uh, fantastical colors or, or anything like that. If you're specifically going into photo retouching, because, um, the skill set of taking a product and just making it look really clean and nice is a marketable skill set. So anybody looking to go out and do that stuff, like have some of that stuff in your portfolio. If you, if you want to, you know, go bonkers and express your art and all that stuff, but um, you know, include that as well, but show that you could also make the mundane look really sharp and, and nice. I, I think that would probably be helpful. 
kind of as you mentioned earlier, you know, that taking the basic of the product and just enhancing it a little bit and doing the, the images that are for the, the marketing purposes and not even necessarily the fun creative purposes, you know. Yeah, that that stuff, um, you know, it it serves a function. It goes into style guides. It gets shown in corporate presentations, you know. So it's like a, a one aspect of it is just providing a really clean product rendering of the thing that that company is going to sell. And then the other aspect of it is the fantastical aspirational version of that product to get your customers to to buy into it. I mean, I've I've created art for Hasbro that is for like internal use only. I know I've made images that is just for presentations they're having and, and stuff like that because, you know, you always want to show this stuff in, in the best light possible. Um, I've touched up photography of prototypes um, for presentations, you know, stuff that's not done, but they, they want to make it look awesome as, as they're doing a reveal. I never really thought of that, you know, the like the, the internal company work that, that you must also have to do. Is there anything we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about? Uh, would like to say to um, thanks again to everybody who has reached out to me on on Instagram and and yourself for inviting me to do this podcast and and you know other podcasts that I've been invited on. It uh, it, it means a ton to me to find a community that is so supportive um, with the work that I'm doing and not just you know the. The Marvel Legends work, but encouraging my own personal artwork and to give me um, an outlet and the confidence to start producing more of that stuff again. Um, you know, the support that I've been able to find in this community has been tremendous for me. And uh, I genuinely want to thank everybody for, um, you know, supporting the work that I do and to thank them for creating the artwork that they do that, that I see on Instagram all the time. It is a stunning and in as many years as I've been doing this is absolutely uh, inspirational to me. You know, the, the people that are messaging me saying like, oh, my God, I love your stuff. You know, I, I, I click their profile and they're doing mind blowing work themselves, you know, and it's like, <laughs> wow, I have a ton to learn from this person. So that's that's just been a really awesome, uh, awesome aspect of this. And I, I just want to, you know, as publicly as I can continue to just you know, thank everybody for supporting what I'm doing. It, it means a ton. As a fan of your work, you know, it, it means a lot, um, you know, as a fan too, to see a little bit of behind the scenes, a little bit of your process. And, and as I said earlier on in the show, like showing that there is a, a human face behind all of these images and this work. And, and you have just been so gracious on social media and, and such a great, um, advocate also for our community and stuff so so thank you for the work you're doing and i just i i I love just how the support just goes all the way around you know I, i just think that's awesome so so thank you for everything that you're doing as well if people want to check out your portfolio or find you on instagram what are your uh handles and links where can people find your work um, sure. Yeah, you can find uh, uh, Instagram is the most up to date thing that that I interact with. It's uh, Jerry J Wilson on Instagram. There's a link to my website on there that actually has a lot of the non Marvel stuff that I've done, uh, um, and even some of the older like you know Star Wars illustrations and Lego illustrations and all these you know Transformers activity books, all this stuff that I've done in the past. Um, I have I have that stuff up there if you want to check it out. But uh, yeah, check out my Instagram and and you know check out some of the toy work I'm doing. And if uh, uh, if if you know anybody listening to this has further questions or whatever, reach out. Um, I, I you know do my best to reply to messages and all that stuff because I'm 
you know, I'm a fan of all this stuff as well. So it's it's great. I love interacting with the community. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on to the show and, and talking to me about uh, toys and art. This has just been uh, such a fun conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time out of out of your day, and I know that you're on a deadline. Um, so, so thank you for doing this. This was really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, yes, after we finish talking, I will have to finish a, another unannounced figure that maybe I will get to tell everybody about in six months. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I look forward to inevitably seeing whatever that is. Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty cool. imagining in my head whatever it could be. <laughs> yeah, people, people are going to like it. Thank you so much for listening. You can find new episodes of this podcast and daily articles on creativity and toy photography on our website, toyphotographers.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also ask that you please leave us a five-star review. That'll help spread the word about the show and help us get noticed. You can find us on Facebook at Toy Photographers and on Instagram at underscore toy photographers underscore. Music for this week's episode is courtesy of freemusicarchive.org. And finally, you can reach out to us with comments, concerns, recommendations, etc. at toyphotographypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next week.